Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Oh, this is Dr. Grande. Peter Falconio was born on September 20, 1972, and was raised in West Yorkshire, England. He met a woman named Joanne Lees at a nightclub in 1996. They became romantically involved. The next year, they moved in together in the town of Brighton, which is where Peter attended college. Peter and Joanne decided to take a trip to various countries around the world, including Nepal, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, and Australia. They departed on November 15, 2000. They arrived in Sydney, Australia in mid-January 2001. On January 25, they started a road trip in Australia with the intent of visiting five cities, Canberra, Melbourne, Adelaide, Darwin, and Brisbane. The couple was driving an orange Volkswagen Type 2 Combi. This is also known in other areas as the transporter, microbus, camper, and informally, simply as the bus or the hippie van. It was very popular with hippies in the 1960s and 70s. The Volkswagen Type 1 was not an earlier version of the bus. Rather, it was a small car called the Beetle. So the Volkswagen Type 1 was the Beetle, and the Volkswagen Type 2 was the microbus. On July 14, at about 4 p.m., they started driving on Stewart Highway, headed north toward Darwin. Peter was driving the Volkswagen, and Joanne was in the passenger seat. They stopped to get fuel in the town of Tea Tree, which is about 120 miles north of Alice Springs. They smoked marijuana and continued on their way. After driving another 60 miles on Stewart Highway, the couple passed through the small town of Barrow Creek. Small is a bit of an understatement. The population was 11. Not long after passing through town, they noticed that there was a white Toyota Land Cruiser pickup truck following them. At about 7.30 p.m., the driver of the Toyota motioned for Peter to pull over, which he did. This was about seven miles north of Barrow Creek. On the side of the road, the driver explained to Peter how he saw sparks shooting out of the tailpipe of the Volkswagen. Peter and the driver walked to the back of the vehicle to investigate as Joanne moved into the driver's seat. She was preparing to rev the engine so the men could observe the reported problem. According to Joanne, she heard a loud bang which originated from the rear of the van before observing the man holding what she described as a silver handgun. He entered the Volkswagen and restrained Joanne's hands behind her back with restraints made from black cable ties and tape. He then tried to bind her ankles, but she resisted. Eventually, the man gave up trying to tie her ankles and punched her in the side of the head. 
He then dragged her to the bed of his pickup truck and disappeared from view. She heard dragging sounds, as if Peter's body was being moved, although she never actually saw his body. Joanne took this opportunity to run away from the Toyota Land Cruiser and hide in the bushes. The man searched for her using his dog and a flashlight. He passed very close to her on three occasions, but he did not spot her. This search went on for several hours until the man finally gave up. He drove the Volkswagen off of the road before returning, climbing in his Land Cruiser and driving away. At about 12.35 a.m., now on July 15, Joanne was able to flag down a road train occupied by two men. A road train is a tractor that pulls several trailers. These are fairly common in Australia. The man driving the tractor was named Vince Millar. He stopped and gave Joanne a ride back to the roadhouse in Barrow Creek. The police were notified at about 1.30 a.m. They arrived at about 4.20 a.m. and started searching for Peter and the killer. At the crime scene, they found a pool of blood and Joanne's footprints. About 240 feet away in the vegetation, they found the Volkswagen. In a nearby creek, they found a brown cattle dog which had been shot to death. Eventually, unidentified male DNA was found on Joanne's t-shirt, the cable ties, and on the gear shifter of the Volkswagen. As the investigation continued, the police were not sure what to make of Joanne's version of events. There were some inconsistencies in her story, and they found her behavior to be unusual, like she was cold, distant, and not reacting with enough emotion. The police recovered surveillance video from a gas station in Alice Springs, which captured the suspect at 12.38 a.m., just three minutes after Joanne flagged down the road train. The man in the video looked a lot like a known drug runner named Bradley John Murdoch. The police interviewed him, but initially felt comfortable with his alibi. Eventually, however, they started to wonder if he could have been the killer. He owned a white Toyota Land Cruiser pickup truck and had spent time in prison for reckless use of a firearm. Before the police could arrest Bradley Murdoch, he fled. On August 22, 2002, the police arrested him in South Australia for unrelated kidnapping and assault charges. Bradley denied being involved in the murder of Peter Falconio, but he did admit that he was the man captured in the gas station video, which contradicted the alibi that he had supplied previously. He had indicated he was in a town much farther away. Bradley was eventually acquitted of the crimes in South Australia. Immediately after he was released, the Northern Territory Police arrested him in connection with Peter's murder and the attack on Joanne. On December 13, 2005, Bradley Murdoch was found guilty of murder and other charges related to the attack. He was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 28 years. Now moving to my analysis. Was Bradley Murdoch actually guilty of murder? This case has facilitated a number of conspiracy theories. A lot of people look at Joanne's story and they just don't think it makes sense. They wonder if Peter could still be alive, like he planned to run away. This whole thing was staged. Bradley Murdoch maintains his innocence, and he has filed many appeals. His appeals are now exhausted. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that Bradley Murdoch is guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. Joanne Lees identified Bradley as the perpetrator. Bradley admitted that he was the man captured on the video surveillance of the gas station in Alice Springs on July 15. The police searched his home and found cable ties, rolls of tape, night vision goggles, and a hair tie belonging to Joanne Lees, which was wrapped around a gun holster. The DNA on Joanne's t-shirt, the cable ties, and the gear shifter of the Volkswagen was matched to Bradley Murdoch. Bradley had a history of allegations and convictions consistent with this type of crime. Now moving to the exculpatory evidence. Peter Falconio's body was never found. No one can be certain if he is actually dead. Joanne never actually saw his body. Only Joanne's footprints were found at the crime scene. According to her story, at least three people should have made footprints. There was very little blood at the crime scene and no blood trail. If Peter was really shot and his body was dragged, there should be more blood and a trail of blood. The truck driver who rescued Joanne, Vince Millar, said that just before Joanne jumped out of the bushes, he passed two men standing behind a red car. He slowed down to see if they required assistance. He noticed that the two men appeared to be putting a third man into the car. This third man looked like jelly. Vince thought that perhaps this was Peter. There were a number of inconsistencies in Joanne's story. She indicated that she and Peter did not stop at the roadhouse in Barrow Creek, yet the owner and two employees at the roadhouse said they most definitely did. The owner remembered a rough man and a dog came in while Peter and Joanne were there. When Peter was in the bathroom, the rough man spoke to Joanne. The owner did not identify Bradley as the man with the dog. Joanne's behavior after the murder drew the contempt and suspicion of many people. People found her to be callous and withdrawn. They did not think she was upset enough. There was also a rumor that she had a secret lover in Sydney, Australia, which may have supplied her a motive to get rid of Peter. Peter and Joanne's behavior leading up to the murder did not really make a lot of sense. Why were they driving in the middle of nowhere at night and in the cold, they had recently smoked marijuana, which put them at even more risk. Why did they pull over for Bradley Murdoch? Were they really that naive? When considering all the evidence, do I think that Bradley Murdoch was guilty? Yes, I believe he was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. The most convincing evidence is the recovery of the DNA belonging to Bradley. Bradley explained the DNA by saying he had encountered Joanne at the Red Rooster restaurant in Alice Springs. 
He was there eating chicken, which makes sense given the name Red Rooster. He must have bumped into Joanne and transferred his DNA onto her shirt. I guess she somehow transferred it onto the makeshift restraints and the gear shifter later on, like it was desperate to escape being anywhere near Bradley. Given his character, nobody can really blame his DNA for trying to make a break for it. As far as Joanne not being a good witness, it seems like she was simply traumatized. Her partner was murdered, and she was viciously attacked. Almost certainly, Bradley would have murdered her had she not escaped. The media can be particularly harsh on victims who do not act emotional enough, but there is no such thing as too many or too few emotions. No such thing as the right emotions or the wrong emotions. There is no scientific reason to believe that a specific emotional reaction points to guilt and any other points to innocence. Another factor is that Joanne developed a dislike of the media right after the murder. She felt as though their reporting was not accurate. This contributed to her being cautious when dealing with them. I think what happened in this case is that Bradley was a career criminal who looked for opportunities to break the law. When he saw a young couple driving a Volkswagen bus in a rural area, he knew they would be an easy target. I think his plan was to kill Peter and kidnap Joanne. Then he would commit various crimes of a sexual nature before murdering her. When she escaped, it destroyed the second part of his plan and eventually led to him being arrested. His DNA was not in the system, so if Joanne had not provided key information, like a description of his vehicle, he may never have been brought to justice. Moving to the last item. This case has caused many people to be fearful. Is there anything that people can do to avoid being victims like Peter and Joanne? Even though the blame for this crime falls squarely on Bradley Murdoch, the young couple could have minimized their risk by avoiding certain behaviors. Just a few examples, not impairing themselves with marijuana, not driving in the middle of nowhere at night, and not pulling over for a stranger. The couple did not really enjoy any benefit from their risky behavior. It doesn't make any sense why they were taking so many chances. Often, young people view risk-taking as something that equates to truly living and getting the most out of life. But often, quite the opposite is true. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.